What's up, everybody? Welcome to the JKR Podcast. My name is Jay Strigling. I'm going to be your host. Let's get into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. Welcome back to the JKR Podcast. As all you guys know, my name is Jay Shrigling. I'm the host. It is another edition of the Top Prospect Series by SNK Designs. It is episode number 23 so far here on season one. Today we've got 2019 draft pick, 32nd round, Chicago Cubs prospect Bryce Windham on the show. He is an Old Dominion alum currently playing at South Bend, uh, currently playing for the South Bend Cubs, the Chicago Cubs high A team. He was a lifetime middle infielder before moving behind the plate his senior year at Old Dominion and then was drafted as a catcher um, just that following year. He's had a really interesting career so far. Today we talk a little bit about the transition to shortstop and second base to behind the plate, the the 2021 season so far, um, that bench-clearing brawl that happened between the South Bend Cubs and Fort Wayne Tin Caps here about a few months ago, the agent selection process, and much more. So let's dig into today's episode. And welcome back to the JKR Podcast. Today we have 2019 Major League Baseball draft pick and Chicago Cubs prospect Bryce Windham on the show. Glad to have you on the show, Bryce. How are you doing? Hey, man, I'm doing good. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah. Um, So to get started, I want to talk a little bit about the 2021 season. So last year would have been your first spring training, which you had a little bit of action last year, a little bit, but this was your first full spring training. So could you take me through your first uh, spring training and how all that went this year? Well, the spring training this year was a little different because, you know, we had like three quarters of the guys there. None of the AAA guys were there. And most of the 2020 draft, like guys coming in were not there. So it wasn't a true spring training because the numbers were small, so we had more, like, individualized hitting times and stuff like that, whereas the COVID year, spring training, we were only three days in, but, I mean, you're hitting in groups of, like, six or seven in the cage, and it's really, you have to get your work in on your, like, by yourself, pretty much, Um, whereas this year, it was pretty nice to be able to work one-on-one with coaches, but, I mean, it it was pretty unreal, kind of, thinking about it being my first real spring training and kind of attacking it that way and not sure where I was going to be placed. So, you know, that was kind of, uh, I really was looking to perform so that I could be as high up as I possibly could. Yeah. So could you take me through what each day kind of looked like for you? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, you'd wake up, well, catchers would get there early. That's just how we are. Um, and usually our things go first so we'll hit before everybody else so i'd wake up around you know 6 15 6 30 be to the field by seven i'd eat breakfast hop in the cold tub hot tub and then hitting the cages around eight and then defensive work from around 8 30 to 9 30 and then we'd have bullpens and then we'd have batting practice and then we'd have some type of like team defense kind of thing and then we get ready for the game yeah, so are um, a lot of these games, um, are they on the backfields? How did that work this year with the with it being a COVID year? Uh, yeah, pretty much all – yeah, all of our games were on the backfields. Uh, I know double-A, 
would play on the big field if like it, it kind of depended on who was home and who was away you know low a high a and double a whereas if uh like two teams would be home and one team would be away then like that home team the highest up team would play in sloan park for example the big yeah. park and it would kind of flip-flop if it came around next time but the good thing about it is all the backfields are maintained so well that they're just as nice playing surface wise. Yeah. So, so the, a lot of those players who are on your team in spring training are the oh, the same dudes that um, went went on to South Bend with. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, pretty much all of them. Yeah, they they did a good job of uh, they put guys early in groups of high A, double A, low A. And for the most part, it kind of stayed true going into the okay. season, which was really right. nice. You could kind of see how each other play and stuff like that. Yeah. So you kind of ha- – like, when did you have that idea that you'll probably be playing high A this year? Um, I mean, I kind of foresaw it before the season started, you know, based on my age and stuff like that. Um, but probably more so towards the end of spring training when – I pretty much I only played high A games and you kind of see like the younger catchers they were just in low A and you know my age group guys were in high A and guys older than me were in double A so I kind of saw that it was heading in that direction of where we'd end up yeah so were there some players that would switch from let's say high A to double A or high A to single A I mean low uh, A yeah throughout spring training if guys were you know hurt stuff like that it flip around uh I I think my first game my first game was with the double A group that I caught and then from there on out it was all high A yeah oh so, yeah it kind of flips around okay so you're saying you're catching all these games but um on the minor league website it says you're listed as a second baseman. So it looks like you're a pretty versatile player. So could you take me through like what your mindset is for that? Yeah, I think it says that because I, I just I haven't caught many games. I've only caught 54 in my entire life. Um, so it's I think it's very important for me to be versatile because it kind of keeps me on the field and it keeps me having a spot on a roster. Uh, that way, you know, my off days of catching, you know, I can still go out and play defense instead of, you know, dh or having to be off completely. Yeah. So that gives me more at-bats, which is just huge. So where have you been playing mostly so far here in South Bend? Uh, pr- catching mostly. Okay. I've played, like, I think three games at second, one game at third. So okay. right, be- right before I got hurt, I was going more into the infield because we had some injuries. So I was kind of finding a spot in there. Yeah. So, I mean, this year's South Bend team has some pretty good pitching prospects. So who would you say would probably have, like, the nastiest stuff or, like, you, who you'd have the best chemistry with? Well, I mean, Max Bain is, you know, he's my Michigan guy. So we're, we're roommates on the road. And uh, so he's, you know, he's one of my guys that I catch a lot based because we have that chemistry. Um, like Ryan Jensen, I mean, his sinker is basically – a left-handed slider with how much it moves, but it goes 97, you know? So yeah. He's, he's gross. And, uh, you know, Yuri Ramos throws 100. Um, Sam Reyes has disgusting stuff. Tanner Dalton, just a gross splitter, which you don't see many splitters. You know, so we got a, we got a good amount of guys who just have some really, really gross stuff. 
So is that around the same group of guys that you were catching with at the end of 2019 season once you were drafted? I mean, really none of them. Because most of the guys now are like, well, the guys who I got drafted with, they were all in short season like after the draft. And I stayed in Arizona because I haven't caught much. Yeah. So they wanted me to stay back and catch more. So I didn't, I didn't go to short season with the rest of them. So I really didn't have the catching chemistry with those guys up until this spring training. Yeah. So you, well, before we, when we were talking before the podcast started, you said that you only ca- caught a few games before you were drafted as a catcher. Yeah. So like, what all, what all did you have to learn after the draft, and what was that learning process like? It was tough. I mean, learning how to call a game. It's just it's really 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 hard and I don't think to the naked eye of a fan I mean a lot goes into being a catcher I mean you call you call every pitch you know it's like it's really on you what the pitcher like throws yeah and if he gets frustrated with you then you know his rhythm's off so you really have to be on the same page um I mean you're you're the quarterback out there so the defense goes as you go and that was a big learning part for me was, you know, you got to be that guy there and just catch. That's just the small part of it. You have to be a lot more. So have you always had it like a high baseball IQ? Like just all of a sudden started playing catcher your senior year at Old Dominion? I mean, I didn't always, I mean, I didn't always have a high baseball IQ. I mean, it's not the highest now, you know, even. Yeah. I mean, I, I was a basketball guy. My, I, my basketball IQ is through the roof. I mean, it really is. I can sit here and talk X's and O's of hoops all day. But, you know, coming from college to the draft, you know, my old Dominion coach asked me to, uh, he asked me if I've ever caught before, and I told him no, not even when I was eight. I've never caught nothing. And he asked me if I would try, and I did. And from there, I had a really, really good fall and caught the first 10 games, 12 games, caught pretty well, and then played third the rest of the year, and I was drafted as a catcher. I was pretty surprised at that. Yeah. You know? So were a lot of those pre-draft workouts, were those, like, as an infielder, or were some of those as ca- catching as well? Well, there were, I didn't do any pre-draft workouts. It was just from what the scouts saw me, okay. how they saw me play. Okay. And it was really the Cubs and the Royals were the only teams that really saw me catch. Everyone else was as an infielder. Yeah. So you see yourself catching from now on um, in professional baseball, right? Yeah. Kind of my role now, you know, playing some infield here and there, but catching mostly, yeah. So what was the biggest challenge for you switching to behind the plate your senior year at Old Dominion and now in pro ball? Um, I mean, how to call a game. Okay, yeah. You know, it's it's, it's, it's just so tough. It's so tough as far as, like, just going to from an infielder to back catching and now the game is in your hands where if you call a fastball down the middle you know and he hits a homer then you you feel bad because it's the pitcher's career that you're messing up yeah so were you calling games at old dominion too or no the pitching coaches call that okay so that was the biggest so that was the biggest difference probably from catching from collegiate level to professional yeah the biggest difference for sure all right well, um, I also want to talk a little bit about this season from the bench-clearing brawl between the South Bend Cubs and the Fort Wayne Tin Caps a few weeks ago uh, that had a lot of press coverage. So I just want to ask you, like, what went through your eyes from, like, the first time you saw someone throw a punch? Just, like, what was going through your mind? 
Like, could you take us through that a little bit? Sure. Well, I mean, so I wasn't playing that day, so I was just on the bench. And, you know, uh, you know, I saw our catcher and their hitter kind of going at it. And all of a sudden I saw him shove our catcher and our kind of like half punched him. And then we all just sprinted out there. And all of a sudden, like, your head's on a swivel. Like, wait, like, just try not to get blindsided by a punch. Yeah. Uh, it's a really weird dynamic when you're on the bench. And you come into a game and it's like, you're not mad at anybody, but like you're in a fight, you know? Yeah. (laughs) It's a a super weird thing, but I was just, cause like I really wasn't involved and I was just trying to, I was kind of following guys around, making sure like everyone was okay. Stuff like that. Like no one was getting jumped. Um, Mainly like protecting our, our shortstop who was in there. You see him Delvin's in, he's throwing haymakers everywhere. That was when it kind of started was he was running third and something happened, right? Someone said something to him. Yeah, was... the, the pitcher was drawing at him. Yep. Okay. All right. Yeah, because I, mean, I wasn't watching the game, but, of course, I mean, everyone saw it after. Yeah. And, I mean, it was a pretty cool thing to see because, I mean, I live probably 40 minutes from both teams, and those are the two minor league teams I watch all the time. So it was kind of cool to yeah. see that. Yeah. But like, and, well, uh, yeah, I mean, it was just I was kind of following him around in the fight, just kind of making sure that he was okay. Yeah, he was taking care of business. But man, that, I mean, I just I thought that was pretty cool just just to see that because I mean that's I mean it's not baseball, but it's a cool thing to see at a baseball game. Oh, for sure. I mean, you never see it. Yeah, but so let's transition a little bit to your college experience. You ended up going to play for Old Dominion, but um, what was that recruiting process like for you? Uh, well, I was so I was committed to play basketball out of high school. I was committed to okay. University of Toledo. Um, so I really wasn't recruited for baseball much. Old Dominion was really the only school that recruited me. And I mean, uh, yeah. So once they offered me, I decommitted from basketball and, you know, kind of took the baseball route. I felt like the ceiling was a little higher in baseball. You were, you were a kind of a big time utility guy, even before your senior year, when you started catching. Like, from what I saw, it looked like you were playing second, short, third, all outfield spots. So, could you, like, take me, like, through that mindset each day if not really knowing where you're going to be at? Yeah, well, I mean, my sophomore year was pretty much my utility year. Um, and, and I only went in in, like, the ninth inning to play. And I was playing everywhere. Uh, and then, you know, junior year, I was only playing shortstop. And then senior year, I was either I was catching or playing third. So, I mean, mindset-wise, I mean, I felt comfortable playing everywhere. So, there really wasn't much going on to it, you know, mentally. So, I just felt – I just wanted to put my coach into a position where he always has somebody that he would feel comfortable, you know, making a play for him. Yeah. So, did you – high school as well, or were you kind of just a one-position guy? No, I only played shortstop in high school. Okay. And how how often did you play shortstop at Old Dominion? Uh, my whole junior year. Okay. All right. So you went to a division one baseball program, but you really didn't have other te- other schools recruiting you though. Yeah, correct. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's actually really surprising. I know it was pretty, it was pretty unique. That's why yeah. when people ask me like, Hey, like, can you help me out? Can you help me out with the recruiting process and stuff like that? It's, I have no idea. My situation was just really weird. Yeah. I got super lucky to be where I was at. Yeah. So, like, what at what point throughout your college days did you realize that you had a good shot at playing pro ball? Not until 
later, like halfway, three quarters of the way, you know, through my senior year, probably probably halfway through. Wow. But I mean, that, that's just crazy. I mean, you end up being what drafted, what, the 32nd round, is it? Yeah, 32nd round. Okay. I mean, I mean, when you look stuff up, like that stuff's not told, but I mean, I didn't, I didn't even realize that you were going to be going playing basketball in college, but that would have been kind of nice to know, come up with some questions for that, but. Oh yeah, um, that's okay. Yeah. Cause yeah, basketball is my life. Like I said, my baseball IQ isn't, you know, that high, but my basketball IQ is through the roof. Yeah. I'd, I'd get an A in basketball class. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, what do you think you improved most at? Like um, baseball wise, uh, probably an approach. I mean, I really, I mean, in high school, high school baseball, you just kind of, you're just out there playing, and at least where I was from, you're just kind of yeah. out there just play. Yeah. So and could then, you take uh, me through a little about your, uh, your approach? Yeah, I mean, I'm a guy. It's really weird. I really enjoy hitting with two strikes, so I'm not afraid to take pitches and get to two strikes. Uh, and then from there, it's just hit everything right at the shortstop. That's the approach. So you're not you're not, you're kind of a pull guy or no no I'm not, a lefty you, so I up. oh shoot shoot yeah you're yeah you're right I, I saw that I saw a few pictures of you hitting lefty that's my bad but um, if you could go back like looking back at your college days like what were some of the key stories that come to mind? Um, I mean just living with all my teammates and being with them every day. You know, that's a really cool experience. And actually doing something all year round for the first time, you know, coming from playing three sports, uh, it's just kind of nice being able to focus on one thing and doing it all year. Yeah. but um, So let's transition a little bit to draft day. So 2019, you were drafted. Usually when I get some athletes on the podcast, I like to ask them about their agent and then about the, the just the draft process for them all together. But what was draft day like for you? You were drafted later rounds, so that's day three. Um, so did you have like a little get together with the family, or what did so you I was, do? I was still at Old Dominion, and my family was in Michigan. Um, I was just with my girlfriend, and some roommates, my ex girlfriend, and uh, you know, I was just honestly, I was playing video games, and she had seen my name come across the board. I really wasn't trying to look too hard into it. I had it up, but once the 30th round hit, I actually shut it off because I was like, I'm not getting drafted, whatever. Yeah. And then all of a sudden she's like, yeah, you got drafted. And I was like, it was a pretty unreal moment. I, I'll i tell you what, my phone absolutely blew up after that. So I could not imagine someone who was going like in the fifth round what yeah. they were going through. Yeah. So but, did you get a phone call from your agent or someone from the Cubs organization? Uh, so I didn't have an agent during the draft. Okay. I actually okay. just signed with him over COVID, but you know, right after I was drafted, the scout that drafted me called me and okay. congratulated me and stuff like that. Okay. So could you take me through a little bit of that pre-draft process? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you have your meetings with all your teams. I think there was like eight teams I had a meeting with, so I really didn't know where I was going to go. Uh, but after that, I mean, days go by and you talk to nobody and you have no idea what's going on. I mean, I didn't talk to any scouts or anything for four days before the draft up until the draft. So I had no idea what was going to happen. Yeah. 
So what were those what were those meetings with teams generally like? Like how long did they last? What were some of the questions that they asked? Uh I mean they always ask, you know, would you like to play professional baseball? So your your answer is always yes. But uh I mean they're they're standard meetings just kind of about you, you know, where you see yourself, you know, do you want to play in the big leagues? You know, who you compare yourself to. Uh, they probably last like 30 minutes. It's a pretty standard, like meet and greet kind of, okay. Kind of thing. And is it, was it just you and your family with the teams or was it just you? It's just you. Okay. Yeah. They come to your, like your school okay. and have a All meeting right. with you like after practice. Okay. And were they targeting a few other people from old dominion or were you pretty much that top guy? Uh, yeah. Vinny Pasquantino was my draft class. He was in the 10th round. So he was the top guy. Uh, Kyle Battle, too. Uh, Matt Birch was also a pretty big name during that time for us. Uh, so we had a bunch of us who, like, you know, we'd walk over to the meetings together. And, you know, Matt Birch lived with me, so we'd actually go over to meetings together, which was pretty okay. fun. So, yeah. So you said you had no pre-draft workouts. So how did how did these teams really know what type of talent you had besides just watching you play? I mean, that's it. Really? Okay. They just, they okay. just watch you play. Yeah. All right. So what were those days like after the draft? How long was it before you were in Mesa signing that contract? Uh, I think it was like a week. It was a week. And then, okay. yeah, I had a week until I had to be out to Arizona. And, then, and did, yeah. they, did they fly you out there or like was yeah, there a they, set schedule? Yeah, they, they give you all your flight information and stuff like that. Okay. And um, so like when did it hit you that you're going to be playing professionally? Like when was that surreal moment? I mean, probably like the first batting practice that we took after, you know, the signing, it was like, like we're here. It was pretty, yeah. it was a, that was a pretty surreal moment. And being yeah. with all the other draft guys, you know, talking to them. Yeah. So like you signed that contract, how long is it before you're out on that field in Mesa playing, playing ball and practicing? Next day. day okay. Of, yeah. And what's like, what's that atmosphere like compared to spring training? Um, I mean, there's not, there's not many people there at all. So it's, it's kind of like you have, uh, like two Mesa teams. So you have, you know, one team practices together, the other team practices together. So you have that whole facility like to yourself, which was really nice. Whereas spring training, you have a ton of people there. Yeah. So did you think you were going to go play, um, short season ball or did they pretty much tell you, Hey, you're going to be staying here you're going to be learning how to like call games like what when did you know that you weren't going to be going playing short season ball uh well i had a feeling i was gonna go play short season ball i was hitting like 340 so i was like i would expect to you know go with everybody else but we got on the bus and uh my good buddy washer who's a catcher you know they they called his name i know my name's right after his and as soon as they said his name and then he stopped. I was like, "Oh, well, I'm staying here." So, yeah. So, like, I mean, one after I didn't everyone... mind it. I didn't mind it because I got I was able to practice every day. Yeah. As far as like catching work wise, like one on one. Yeah. So, like, what was the difference between it when everyone was there and when everyone wasn't? Like, on your day to day perspective. Well, it was only a certain amount of guys that left, so the day to day was still the same. I mean, there's only like, uh, you know, I mean, twenty something guys left. But, you know, people get called up from the Dominican League. So the day-to-day was the exact same. It okay. never changed. 
All right. So who are some of the, who are some of those ball players that you kind of like um, bonded with pretty well after um, the 2019 draft? Um, let me think. Well, Jake Washer for sure. I mean, and Ethan Hearn because those were the two catchers yeah. in my draft class. So we and, spend all we spend all day together. Yeah, and is Hearn's in uh, Myrtle Beach right now, right? Yep, and then Washer's okay. with with me here in South Bend. Okay. Yeah, Washer's been, ta- Washer's been uh, doing most of the catching here. Okay. Are, are you guys Bend. the two catchers right there right now, or is there a third? And uh, we had just brought in Raymond Pena okay. because I had gotten hurt. And right. uh, Caleb Knight. All right, he, okay, I've heard of, he just I've heard went to night. Tennessee. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, um, like I told you before we started the podcast and I've talked about it on the podcast multiple times before, I want to be an agent, uh, major league baseball specific, trying to get certified in 2024. Whenever I get an athlete on the show, I try to ask them about their like agent selection process, why they chose their agent. So I'd like yeah, to do the so, same with, with yeah. you. Mm-hmm. So like when did agents start reaching out to you you said you didn't have an agent when you started the draft but were there agents who contacted you before the draft so i really i had no agents really reach out to me because i wasn't a big i wasn't gonna go you know top 10 which is where you need you need your agent to you know kind of make you money at that point uh one of my college teammates jared young who's with the cubs his his agent was from michigan where i'm from so i kind of asked him about him and he gave me his you know, contact info, and especially with COVID, I wanted to get an agent. So I reached out to him actually. And, you know, I just kind of told him, I was like, I need a guy. Uh, I just asked uh, Jared Young for the agent's phone number okay. and I gave him, and I gave him a call okay. and I was just like, you know, I need it with all the COVID stuff, especially I need a guy who's going to be able to talk to teams for me. If I were to get, you know, released in the middle of a pandemic, <laughs> So it was just I needed a guy to have my back. Yeah, and that was that was why I went out and searched for an agent. Yeah, and what's what's his name? If you don't mind me asking, uh, Mark Meisner. Mark Meisner. All right. And what have you liked about him so far? He's just. I mean, I mean, he doesn't he doesn't come across as an agent. He's like a, he's a friend. Okay. You know, which is an incredible thing to have. Where I feel like a lot of players have agents who are, you know, just their agent. Yeah. Or, you know, me and my agent can, we can just go out and golf and just have a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's what a lot of, like a lot of athletes I've asked so far, that's what they've kind of said. Like their agent, of course, is business minded, but also comes off as a friend at some point. Yeah, for sure. And I think that friend, that friend aspect is pretty important. Yeah. So, yeah. So if you had any advice of like to agents reaching out to you, like let's say you're back in the, back in college and agents are reaching out to you. Like, what advice would you have before they talk to you? What what advice would I have for the agent? Yeah, for them. Like, so like something that would like stand out to you that maybe uh, help 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 their recruiting process to you if you were to go I back to college. I feel like it's just their personality. Yeah, I mean, I'm a okay. people guy, so it's just I just care about what kind of you know people they are. You know, are they gonna? Do they seem like the kind of guy that would do you wrong at the end of the day? Or do they only have your best interests in mind? Yeah. Um, and then has your agent done any marketing or endorsement deals for you at all? Like, do you have any partnerships with any, like, small, small-time small brands yet? Uh, I mean, he's gotten me some, like, like bat deals and yeah. batting, batting gloves, stuff like that. But no, like, partnerships or anything like that. I mean, I'm okay. only in high A and it's my first yeah. year. Yeah. So I don't really – I don't try to bug him for that. 
Yeah, of course. I was, I was just curious because I know some uh, lower minor league guys get a few partnerships, but I was just curious. And then um, I got one last question for you before we go off. So what's been your favorite restaurant so far in South Bend? Oh, the Yellow Cat. Small diner right by my house. It is a, a breakfast spot, and it is the absolute best. Okay. So is that close to Four Winds Field? Yeah, it's like 10 minutes away. Okay, cool. All right. Well, I think that's all I got for you. So I appreciate you coming on to the show, and I wish you the best of luck this season. Oh, Jace, man, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I look forward to going to a game this year and meeting you in person. Heck, yeah, just let me know. All right, sounds good. You have a great night. All right, Jace, take it easy. Like always, another great episode in the books. Actually, Bryce is one of the first guests I've ever had here on the podcast so far that I've never spoken to before we start recording on the interview. Reached out to him a few months ago. I'm sure glad I did. Everything that I see online from talking to him today, just Bryce just sounds like he's, he's just a great dude. Um, hope you guys enjoyed the interview today. I know I did. But make sure to check out these next three solo episodes these next three weeks as I talk about eliminating MLB television blackouts. Uh, the second week will be MLB contracts, comparing a few contracts within Major League Baseball right now. And then to wrap up the solo episodes, I'll be talking a little bit about branding within Major League Baseball. So branding athletes, kind of what I want to do when I get older. And then some name, image, and likeness ideas of and uh, topics, stuff like that, as stuff gets rolling around July 1st. Um, after that, we'll have two more months of Season 1. rest will all be interviews after these three solo episodes. I know I'm looking forward to it, to um, keep up with all, all everything the JKR Podcast. Make sure to follow us on social media. We've got Twitter. We've got Instagram. We've got Facebook. So do all that. Make sure to subscribe here on Apple Podcasts. Make sure to give us a follow on Spotify. But I just want to thank you all for listening so far. I'm having a great time here with season one, and I'll catch you guys Monday.